I'm glad I'm just a stranger and a pilgrim here. Amen. If I was at home here, hadn't been one day, I'd die. Amen. But I'm glad I'm going to live eternally because Jesus paid my price on Calvary. Boy, I'm thankful that the God of heaven is a God in my heart right now. Amen. Some of you get a hold of that, you'll leave here. Amen. The God that we're going to be with in eternity in heaven, he's right here with us. Amen. This morning. If you've been saved by God's grace, been saved by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Bible teaches us that he lives within your heart. The very same God that one day we're going to get to see through a, through a natural eye. One, we've, we've seen him by the eye of faith in our heart this morning. Amen. And that helps us through what we go through down here. Boy, I'm thankful for that. Thank you, Miss Martha. Thank you, choir, for the good singing. Turn with me in your Bible this morning. Matthew chapter number four. I feel this is where the Lord have us to be this morning. Matthew chapter number four. I feel the Lord have us to preach this morning. If he'll help us for just a few minutes, if he won't, then we'll get out of the way. I feel he'd have us to be Matthew's gospel, chapter number four. We want to preach this morning on the temptation of Jesus as he was there in the wilderness. The Bible says in verse number one, Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And when he had fasted forty days and forty nights, he was afterward hungered. And when the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command these stones to be made bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Then the devil taketh him up into the holy city and setteth him on a pinnacle of the temple and saith unto him if thou be the son of God cast thyself down for it is written he shall give his angels charge concerning thee and in their hands they shall bear thee up lest at any time thou shalt dash thy foot against a stone and Jesus said unto him it is written again thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God and again the devil taketh him up to an exceeding high mountain and showeth him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them and saith unto him all these things will I give unto thee, if thou wilt fall down and worship me. Then saith Jesus unto him, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Then the devil leaveth him, and behold, angels came and ministered unto him. Father, we come to you this morning, Lord, in this place, God, where we know that flesh has failed us, God, before. We come this morning, God, asking you, humbly as we know how, Lord, for your touch and your hand. God, I pray this morning, Father, for unction. God, to preach. I pray that, God, you'd loose my tongue. God, I pray, Father, you'd mind it. God, we don't say anything we don't need to say. But, Lord, I pray, God, the message that you would have to be delivered would be, Father, spoken to this people, Father, today. I pray for every man, woman, boy, and girl that is on the sound of our voice, that they would receive from you, God, that which is needed. Lord, I pray this morning, God, that you would cleanse us of ourself. Lord, I pray there'd be nothing, God, said or done this morning, God, of our own selfish desire or motive. God, I pray all of be to thy glory. I pray this morning God it should bind the powers of hell and of Satan around this place. God that your word may go forth into the heart of the hearer. God take root in good ground and bring forth in your time. Lord we pray this morning if they be a lost sinner among us God they might be saved. We pray for the backslider. God they'd be restored. God they'd be revived. God we pray. I pray for the saint. God this weary by the journey. I pray God to be encouraged today. Lord we ask and we pray God do for us right now. God these things that we cannot do for ourselves. Lord, God, touching this place, and we thank you for what you've already done in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. 
We find in Matthew's gospel, chapter number four, this account is mentioned in the three synoptic gospels in your, in your Bible. We find the Bible teaches us in chapter number four that Jesus was led up of the Spirit into the wilderness. Now, if you'll look with me in your Bible at Matthew chapter number three, you'll see where Jesus has come from. And you'll find that he's beginning his earthly ministry as the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He's beginning his ministry as a servant, going through the three and a half years, making his way to the cross and you'll find that in the last few verses of chapter number 3 you'll find that Jesus has come from Galilee down to Jordan and he's met this man by the name of John John the Baptist and the Bible tells us that John forbade him as as Jesus asked him to baptize him there in the river Jordan and John forbade him, John realized that he needed to be baptized to him but Jesus asked John the Baptist to baptize him there in the river Jordan and you'll find in these verses of scripture uh, that as Jesus was baptized baptized there in the river Jordan. He's giving us a great type there, an example to us that as the ordinance was commanded of our Lord and Savior's ordinance of the church to be baptized, but he was giving an example that a, de- a picture of his death, of his burial, and his resurrection. He was picturing the very purpose that he came to this earth to do. He came to this earth, friend, not just to be a babe in a manger. He came to this earth not just to heal the sick and the lame and the leper. He came to this earth not just to raise from the dead. He came to this earth not just to make disciples but he came to this earth to go to an old rugged cross and to die and be buried for three days and to rise victorious on that third and glorious day that was a picture of the baptism of our Lord and we find the Bible says in verse 16 of chapter number 3 and Jesus when he was baptized he went up straightway out of the water and lo the heavens were open and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him and a voice from heaven saying this is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. You find that this is mentioned two times in the scripture. It's mentioned here and it's mentioned on the Mount of Transfiguration. But this is the first time that we see the Holy Ghost of God descending upon the Lord Jesus Christ. Luke's gospel says that when he left this place that he left full of the Holy Ghost. And we find that here Jesus, he's been commissioned His the seal of God Almighty has been put upon Jesus as the Savior for all all of mankind. In this place it seems as though hardly nobody knows him. He hadn't made any disciples yet. He doesn't have any followers yet. But the Lord has put his seal of approval upon his own son that he might go to Calvary and do the work that he came to do. Ladies and gentlemen, might I say he came to this earth to be a savior for you and me. But I want you to notice this is a high point. Verse number 16 and 17 is a high point for the Lord Jesus Christ. He stepped into the water. He's been baptized. God's come down. The Holy Ghost descended upon him like a dove. And it's a high point, an exciting point. It's a great experience. Oh, but look in the next few verses. The Bible says then. Mark's gospel tells us that immediately from that very moment that the Holy Ghost of God descended upon him and the words thundered from heaven. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Immediately the Bible says Jesus was led of the Spirit. Amen. Can I just go and preach a minute? We're going to get to the wilderness uh, and Jesus is heading to the wilderness but before he ever gets to the wilderness, ladies and gentlemen, uh, he's led of the Spirit to go there. Amen. So what I'm trying to say this morning is not every low place in your life is from the devil. 
Amen. We find the Bible says Jesus was led up of the Spirit into the wilderness. Now, here is a picture of what we should be when we're full of the Holy Ghost. For Jesus to come out of that water, hearing God thunder out from heaven, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. We see a man in perfect submission to the will of his Father. We see a man in instant and immediate obedience to what he is being led to do. Amen. And might I say we're getting ready to go into revival. Here tomorrow we begin tomorrow but my friend I want to say that one of the greatest keys to revival is a submissive heart and an obedient heart is for us as the children of God to be obedient and to be submissive as the Lord leads and directs us amen if the Lord tells you to do something amen you better do it if you want to see God bless and you want to see God move one of the greatest hindrances I believe in our day and in our hour is our stubbornness Amen. Because we're not willing to be submissive and obedient to the sweet Holy Ghost of God. Notice that Jesus is led up of the Spirit into the wilderness. And might I say that not everywhere that the Spirit of God leads us is a pretty place. Not everywhere that God leads us is an easy place. Not everywhere that the Lord leads us is a place that we're going to get some type of glory or recognition or a name made for us. Not everywhere that the Lord is leading us, ladies and gentlemen, is a place that to the natural eye looks appealing. This place, the Bible says, the wilderness that he was tempted of, we know that it was right outside of the, the where he was baptized there at Bethabara, there by the side of Jordan. And we, uh, they say, historians say that this mount of temptation uh, that it is to the south side of the city of Jericho. And me and my wife was there just uh, about one year ago. We was able to stand there at the end of the valley of the shadow of death. And from that point, you can look uh, down through the Jordan Valley and you look up on a big high mountaintop. And we was able to see what historians say to be the mount of temptation. And as we look from that place, it is a desolate place. It is barren. It is a place, ladies and gentlemen, that there's nothing living, it seems. It is a place that is lifeless and empty and void. It's a lonely place. It's a place where there is no shelter from the sun and from the wind and from the weather. But ladies and gentlemen, this is where Jesus was led. And that is where He went. Amen. There's something to be said about somebody that will go anywhere that the Lord leads them. Amen. There's somebody that will do anything that the Lord bids them and gives them to do. We find that as Jesus was baptized there in Jordan it was an act of obedience and submissiveness. It was an act of humility for Him, the Son of God. You see, He was all God, but He was all man. For Him to be baptized of John, here's Jesus Christ. He don't have the blood of Adam running through His vein. His Father was God Almighty. And here He is to be baptized by John who was shapen in iniquity in his mother's womb who was a product of Adam's fallen race. He's one of the greatest preachers you read about in the New Testament but still yet he was a product of Adam's fallen race and Jesus humbled himself to give us an example and to point to Calvary what he was going to do and was baptized in the river Jordan in humility and as he goes to the wilderness led of the Spirit friend he goes there in humility might I say the Spirit of God will never exalts you above measure but the Spirit of God will always bring you into humility we miss that amen in the church world the Spirit of God never exalts the flesh it doesn't exalt man it exalts the man Christ Jesus and we find that Jesus went up into the wilderness humble Philippians 2 and 7 says that he made himself of no reputation he didn't publicize where he was going or why he was going he made himself of no reputation but to 
took upon him the form of a servant, one who willingly was obedient and submissive and was made in the likeness of men, being found in the fashion as a man. He humbled himself and he became obedient. And we know that he became obedient even to death, the death of the cross. And we find that he went up into the wilderness. This was a place that as he went, he went in humility, but he went also in meekness. He's the Son of God. And here he is meek. He could have kicked the bars out of the manger that he was in. He could have done anything he wanted to do at any moment of time. But ladies and gentlemen, he he corralled his power and he harnessed his power. That's what meekness is. Meekness is taking your strength and corralling it and harnessing it and taking what you can do and bringing what you can do in control to what God wants you to do. Amen. You know why a lot of us don't have power? You know why a lot of us don't have the power of God? You know why this preacher don't have the power of God sometimes? Because we're not willing to contain it. We want to use it for our own gain. Our own glory. Amen. You might as well say amen. Y'all just like I am. You put your britches on one leg at a time. You sit down to tie your shoes. Amen. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, we have a problem. And when we look in the mirror, that's our problem. It's the flesh. Amen. This moment, Jesus was meek. And we can learn of that. He's mentioned here. John said, Behold the Lamb of God. What's the characteristic of a lamb? A lamb is a meek animal. It's something very, very meek. And Jesus, though He is the Lion of the tribe of Judah, though He is, my friend, the one that one day is going to step out of the banisters of glory. He's going to stand on the Mount of Olives. He's going to annihilate the armies of Satan. He's going to put Satan himself in his rightful place, ladies and gentlemen. My friend, even though He is the Lion of the tribe of Judah, He came to this earth as a Savior and to do the job that God had ordained Him to do, ladies and gentlemen. He couldn't come as a roaring lion, but He came meek as a lamb. Amen. He goes up into the wilderness harnessing His power. And if you notice through this temptation, we'll look at this this morning. If God will help us, you will notice that even though He's all God in His temptation, He's tempted as man. That He might be victorious as a man. That you and I can have victory over the temptations that we face. We find that the Bible says in Hebrews 5 and 5 that Christ glorified not Himself. You'll notice through the entire God that Jesus never done anything for selfish gain. He never used the God side, my friend, to do anything to help him. As it would be a selfish gain. Anytime he performed a miracle, it was to help somebody else. And the entire purpose of helping somebody else was that they might believe that he was the Christ. That when he went to Calvary, they'd believe upon him as a Savior. It's the theme of the book of John that these things were written that you might believe that He is the Son of God. We find that He went up into the wilderness. And the wilderness was a place, my friend, of desolation. It was a place that when He looked out, He seen nothing alive. He seen no trees, no grass, no vegetation. He looked out over the Jordan Valley. That When we was there, I spoke to the church about it. It was a place of barrenness. It reminded me of the barren condition of a sinner's heart. Without any life, void and destitute. It's a place capable of life, ladies and gentlemen. It's a place that, my friend, has some of the greatest mineral wealth of anywhere in the world. Up there on the Mount of Transfiguration from the south side of the city of Jericho, it overlooks the Dead Sea where they say there's more mineral wealth than anywhere in the world. They believe that that's going to be what puts the hooks in the jaws of Russia to bring them down into 
that country, the great mineral wealth that's in that place. But today it's a barren place. Why is that? It's a condition and a picture of a sinner's heart. But it's capable of bearing fruit, ladies and gentlemen. So Jesus is taken up on the Mount of Transfiguration or the Mount of Temptation. He's taken up to this steep and this high mountain. A rough journey. A hard journey. But remember, He's being led of the Spirit. Not every journey you take led of the Spirit is going to be easy. Not every journey you take is going to be downhill. There's going to be some hills to climb. There's going to be some desert places to go. Some desolate places. It was a place, my friend, that as He looked out, it seemed like there was nothing to glorify God for. It was a place of danger. Mark's Gospel tells us that in that place there were wild beasts that were there with Jesus. It was a dangerous place, my friend, for man to be. Those wild beasts and lions there in that land could have at any time destroyed him. Can I say there's things along this Christian journey that can scare us, that can root fear in our heart. Oh, my soul, I could preach an hour on them. We can get worried about losing our job. We can get worried about providing for our family. We can get worried about what people are going to think about us, our reputation, all these different things. There's things that are dangerous and root fear in our heart. And then there is the missionary that goes overseas. They face literal danger. Literally their life being taken from them. How do we deal with that fear? We have to trust God. Amen. This place was also a place of desperation. You'll notice in verse number 2, the Bible says that he hungered. He was in a place of physical weakness. Not only was the land barren in a condition, uh, my friend, of the, of the sinner's heart, but physically he was weak. And this was a place, the Bible says, that he was went to to be tempted of the devil in verse number 1. And it was a place that the devil tried his best to destroy him. Amen. Can I say this? I talked to a young preacher just the other day. He said, preacher, he said, if you knew where I was when I got saved. He said, if I could only put in words where I was when I got saved. He said, if people could get a hold of where we was before we got saved. He began to testify and tell me about thoughts that he had of taking his own life before he ever got saved by the grace of God. And if, if I were to tell you this, young man, you'd never believe it. You'd never believe it. Amen. But you know what? The devil wants to destroy your life before you ever get started. Here Jesus is. He's got the touch of God on him. He's had the seal of approval of the Father upon him. And the devil comes right along. My friend, he would like to kill him before he ever gets to the cross, before he ever heals anybody, before anybody, before one person ever sees him as Lord and Savior. The devil would like to destroy him. Can I say, young people, we spend a lot of time. We spend a lot of money. These workers in this church spend a lot of time pouring into you because we realize that the devil would like to get you now. He'd like to destroy your life now. He'd like to get you mixed up and fouled up and have so many scars in your life that it's a burden for you to serve God on down the road. Amen. The devil would like to destroy you before you ever get started. If you're here in this building lost and undone without God, I want you to know the devil's going to be on your trail as soon as God gets your number. Amen. You start coming to church it's going to be a tough road because the devil's going to try his best to destroy you before you ever get started Amen. 
Amen. Place of destruction. You'll find as we look through these temptations that Satan brought forth that each one of them, though they were subtle, they were intended to kill the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. When, when Satan told him there in verse number three to turn, in verse number four, to turn those stones into bread, you'll find Jesus was fasting 40 days. And anybody that has ever studied upon a great fast like that, there's only a few people in the scripture, three of them I believe that ever done a, that long of a fast, but for them to go and to gorge themselves with solid food, it would have killed them. Amen. So that's how subtle Satan is. Amen. Something that doesn't necessarily look sinful. You with me, young people? Don't necessarily look sinful. What's harmful in eating a little bread? Amen. But Satan intended it to kill the Lord Jesus Christ before he ever got started. Hey, listen to me, young people. Let me just reiterate that. I feel the Lord want me to park right there just a minute, okay? Devil wants to get you right now. These things in your life, people's telling you is not right. These things in the Word of God, God's convicting your heart about. Steer clear of them. You say, preach, I don't understand it. Hey, there's a lot of things I don't understand, guys. Right. Amen. Right. But I steer clear of it. Because I learned down through life's journey, it's a whole lot easier to take a detour than it is to get bummed up and beat up and banged up and have some scars in our lives. Uh, Listen, my friend, uh, there's people in this building had a lot of physical pain, a lot of physical scars in their life. And most of them would probably tell you this morning that that physical ailment that they had many years ago still affects them in some way today. Amen. Amen. You break a bone when you're a teenager. When you're 50 years old, you're still feeling it. Amen. Amen. When the rain comes, amen. These old timers speak about amen hurting. Amen. It's true. Amen. Amen. What is that? That's a scar from the past. Those spiritual scars, ladies and gentlemen, hurt too. Amen. Amen. Don't let the devil beat you out before you ever get started, friend. We find not only is this a place of desolation and danger and desperation and destruction, but you're going to find that in the wilderness being tempted of the devil, that it is a place of deliverance. Amen. You may be in a place right now in your spiritual walk with the Lord and you say, preacher, I'm in that very place. I'm in this wilderness. I'm being tempted. I don't know if I'll ever make it. Let me remind you this morning. I, I want to heavy upon the works of Satan, what he's doing here in this place. I, but I don't want you to forget that God is faithful and that this is a place of deliverance. Amen. That God's faithful to deliver you and to help you. Amen. Bible says that he was there, fasted 40 days. Now, 40 in your Bible is the number of testing. You'll find that Moses spent 40 years on the backside of the desert, a time of testing and training for God to make him into what he was supposed to be before he was ever, before he led the children of Israel out of Egypt into the wilderness. Amen. Under Canaan's land. You'll find that Noah spent 40 days and 40 nights watching the rain come down, the floods come up from the deep. How you say, preacher, what was that? What'd that mean? As them rains come down, I'd say about day number 20, they might have been somebody that would have said, I don't know if them rains ever going to stop. Do you think the ark will hold? It was a time of testing to see if Noah would continue to trust in the ark. Amen. Hey, sometimes we trust in him just for the moment, but not enduring for the journey. 
Amen. Can I say he's good in the building? He's good when you step on board. He's good after day number 20. And he's still faithful after day number 40. And when the rains have ceased, but they still flood waters on the earth. And we don't know where the ark's going to land. Ladies and gentlemen, I want you to know that he's still faithful and he's still God. Amen. He's there 40 days a time of testing and trial. Notice with me that from the time of a, of a seal of approval and the time of this great experience of the Spirit of God descending upon the Lord Jesus Christ immediately came a time of testing. Amen. I know it's ain't popular preaching, but it's truth. Amen. God do something in your life or God, if God, God calls you, God equips you to do something, there's going to be a time of testing. Amen. Listen, God's not going to let you run His name all through the mud. Amen. He's going to test you to see how you're going to handle, amen, the job that He's given you to do. Amen. Amen. Bible says that he was hungered. He was physically weak in this place. The Bible says, and when the tempter came to him, he said, if thou be the son of God, notice with me that in this place, that as we find this, as Satan begins to tempt the Lord Jesus Christ, notice what Satan does first. He casts doubt. Amen. That's what he always does. He casts doubt. He casts doubt to the Lord Jesus Christ. Here is Satan talking to the son of God. God manifest in the flesh. Y'all believe that, don't you? In the beginning was the Word. Who was the Word? It was Christ. So if we take that and we say, in the beginning was Christ. Amen. And Christ was with God and Christ was God. Amen. So here's Satan talking to God manifest in the flesh. Who beheld Him cast out of heaven as lightning. And he's saying, if thou be the Son of God. Now, I've heard this statement. I just want to say biblically, we're proving it this morning. I've heard a statement that Satan never causes you to doubt your salvation. What if you take that verse of Scripture right there? He's trying to make Jesus himself doubt that he's the Son of God. Amen? Ain't that what he's doing? He's trying to make Jesus himself doubt that he's the Son of God. Amen? Listen, lost person, Satan don't have anything to gain from making you doubt your salvation. Because you ain't got none to doubt. Amen? Amen. He's trying to make you, make, make the Son of God doubt who He is. That's what He does. That's what He's done to Eve. Y'all with me? He's trying to make doubt and root a seed of doubt. And you know what that does? If you can doubt, it'll render you helpless and useless. And if he can get you convinced that you're not who you are, that Jesus is not your Father, that God is not your God, if he can get you convinced of those things and you forget who you are and who you serve and why you're in this thing, you know what you'll do? You'll settle. Amen. 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 If thou be the Son of God, well, if you say, Brother Ira, if you say, Brother Randy, he'll make you settle. You'll get to wondering, well... Am I? Am I not? Am I? Am I not? Before you know it, you're settling. Amen. You're settling at a low spiritual condition. You're settling not serving in the church. You're settling by coming just on Sunday morning because you get under conviction. You're not where you ought to be with God. You settle by not leading your family in the way that you ought to lead them. You get in a condition where you settle. Amen. All because Satan's placed doubt. 
Maybe I'm not where I need to be. Maybe I'm not in the church I need to be in. Maybe I'm not doing, maybe I'm not doing that. Amen. If Satan can ever get that root of doubt in your heart, ladies and gentlemen, he'll cause you to settle. Amen. He's trying to get Jesus to settle before he ever went to Calvary. That proves out in the last temptation. Amen. He's trying to get you this morning, church member, to settle where you're at and not get any closer to God because he knows that there's going to be power in your testimony. There's going to be power in the work that you're doing. Not everybody in here can preach. Not everybody in here can sing. But I promise you this morning that everybody in this building, if you're saved by the grace of God, God has chosen you as a vessel for a specified work and a specified person and there's somebody in your life right now that God will work through you to win the hymn. Amen. And Satan would like to cause you to doubt right now and settle where you are, get comfortable where you are, and never get to the place that God can work through you. I don't understand it. I don't get it at all. But for some reason or other, in the age of grace, God don't use angels. God don't use cherubims or seraphims. God don't use prophets. Amen. He uses people. Amen. Just like you and just like me. Sinners. Been saved by the grace of God. Know something about redemption. An angel don't know anything about redemption. Amen. Why, why do you think in the scripture, the Bible says there's rejoicing in the presence of angels. It don't say the angels are rejoicing. They don't understand it. Amen. They're looking at it from the outside, but they've never experienced it. But they some old saints of God that once was a sinner, but all of a sudden they was a glorious light shining round about in their heart. They got saved by the grace of God and they've outstripped us and went on to glory. They know what it's like to be a lost sinner, be saved by the grace of God. They know what it's like to walk by the eye of faith and their faith to end inside. And when one of them gets saved, there's an announcement, goes out through heaven. So and so got born again. There's another prayer that comes in heaven and the saints of God rejoice they shouting and rejoicing in the presence of angels amen Amen. God chooses to work through people Amen. amen just like you and just like me and I guarantee you there's somebody on your road on your street in your class on your job that you despise you don't want to be around them you don't want to talk to them you don't want to be associated with them have you ever thought that you might be the only one in their life that sees the condition that they're in and you might be the only one that can get in touch with God concerning them amen amen Amen. think about that they might be surrounded by a whole bunch of people who don't know the Lord. And you're the only one that God's using. Amen. God help us not to fail. God help us not to settle. God help us not to get in a place of spiritual satisfaction and complacency and say we're rich and increase with goods and have need of nothing. May God help us to remember who we are, that we are a chosen generation. We are a royal priesthood. We are a holy nation that we are called forth to show forth praises unto Him who hath called us out of darkness unto His marvelous light. That we're not just anybody, but we're somebody headed somewhere We're part of the church of the living God. We've been redeemed by the blood of Jesus. That even though we was worthless and unworthy as a product of Adam's fallen race, Jesus said, but God committed His love toward us. And while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And when Jesus should have said, Father, forget them, He said, Father, forgive them. For they know not what they do. Hey man, don't forget who you are this morning, church. You're one of God's. You belong to Him. You've been bought 
bought with a price. Bible says you're a peculiar people. That means a purchased people. That means you've been bought out. The price has been paid. When you was on the slave block of sin like Gomer was, there was a Hosea standing in the back saying, I'll pay the price. Whatever it costs, I'll pay for her. I know she's not worthy. I know she's not worth it. But I see something in her that I can use. I'll pay the price. Glory to God. Don't forget who you are, church. Don't let the devil beat you out of who you are. If thou be the Son of God, don't you forget that there's no ifs, ands, and buts about what God does. Amen. When God does something, He does it right. Ladies and gentlemen, if you've been to an old-fashioned altar, you've got in the Holy Ghost conviction come in in concordance to the Word of God and you've accepted Jesus Christ His way and not your way, His way. Ladies and gentlemen, don't forget who you are. Amen. And don't forget what God's able to do through you when you'll humble yourself and become submissive and obedient to Him. He said, turn these stones into bread. He was appealing to the physical side. Jesus was hunger. He appealed to the physical side. And notice with me what Jesus said in the Scripture. Notice the Bible says, it is written. Jesus didn't go back and say, Satan, here you are saying, if thou be the Son of God. And you just seen me a few, a few minutes ago down by the river Jordan. You heard the words from heaven. Jesus never mentions it. Amen. Amen. Are you with me? You know what the first thing I do when I get down and out? Lord, you let me preach with anointing last week. And now here I am. Lord, I was just rejoicing the other night. Lord, I was a shouting all by myself. And you was there and your presence was so real. Jesus had the voice from heaven thunder. Had witnesses to it. Amen. But he never brings it up when Satan's tempting him and accusing him. You say, preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying that your experiences come and they go. You've heard me preach it. Your experiences are going to waver. And Satan can pick and pull your experiences apart all day long, and he will. Amen. But there's something that he can't pick and pull apart. Amen. The psalmist said, Thy word, O Lord, is ever settled in heaven. Amen. And when he got down to the nitty gritty, and here he is tempted, he's hungered, he ain't eating 40 days. There's only three men in the scripture, Moses, Elijah, and Jesus, that fasted for 40 days. There's only two men in the scripture that faced Satan face to face, the first Adam, and Jesus, the last Adam. Amen. And you find that Jesus didn't take him back to the river Jordan. He didn't take him back to the place of his experience. He took him to the Word of God. That's ever settled in heaven. Amen. And he said, it is written. I say glory to God. When Satan comes accusing me, he says, preacher, you ain't what y'all to be. I go to the scripture. Amen. It's not about me. It's about Jesus. Amen. When he says, preacher, you ain't saved. I I take him to the word of God. I go back to that altar where I got saved. I I go down there and I read Romans 10, 9. But if thou shalt believe in thine heart the Lord Jesus and shalt believe that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. I say, Satan, I've done that. What do you think about that? Get on down there for with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. But with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. I, I stood up that Sunday morning. I said I got saved by the grace of God. Well, Satan, what do you think about that? And I go on down there, Romans 10, 13. I sit, says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Satan, what do you think about that? 
Amen. You know what he does? He moves on. Amen. He don't quit tempting, but he moves on. Amen. He tries to get us in some other area. Amen. Bible says we fight not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against rulers in high places. Amen. Wickedness that goes on, talks about that, but he goes on to say, put on the whole armor of God. And then he says, stand therefore. Glory to God. If we're going to stand, we got to have something to stand on. And this blessed book that you hold in your hand, friend, is your weaponry. It is your sword of offense for you to be able to contend with the devil. You're going to have something, you're going to have to have something more than the power of flesh. You need the sword of the Spirit, which is sharper than any two-edged sword, and cuts to the defining asunder of the soul, and is a discerner of the faults and the intents of the heart. Amen. You need a sword, friend. Amen. Jesus said, it is written. He appealed, Satan appealed to the physical side. He appealed and he attacked his experience. He questioned his deity. He placed a seed of doubt. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, the devil pushed for proof. Can I stop right there just a minute? Well, if you're saved, you need to be doing this. Y'all with me? I agree when you get saved, there's some things you need to do, but the devil capitalizes on that. Amen. I knew y'all get quiet right there. The devil whispering in your ear, if you're saved, won't you do this? Won't you do that? And what he's wanting you to do is do it in the power of the flesh, not being led of God. Amen. He's wanting you to do things not led of God, and you'll end up getting beat up, marred up, and scarred up because God ain't in it. You'll be so discouraged you'll never want to serve God. Amen. Amen. The devil pushes for proof. Ladies and gentlemen, the devil don't need any more proof than what that book says. That's right. Amen. Nothing you'll ever do in your experience because Jesus didn't take him back to the River Jordan. We see the devil was attacking his experience. He was attacking what God had already spoken and he was wanting proof that you're the son, that he was the son of God. Amen. Can I say something? If you've been saved by God's grace and you know beyond a shadow of doubt, you ain't got nothing to prove to nobody. Amen. That verse scripture says, stand still, wait on the salvation of the Lord. Amen. There's a time to move. There's a time to move forward. There's a time to wait on God. Jesus was 30 years old before he ever began his earthly ministry. Young people, you ever get discouraged? Here I am getting up in age. God ain't, God ain't sent me this. God ain't sent me that. God ain't doing this in my life. Older folks, you ever get discouraged? I'm coming to the Saturday evening of time and and God, you ain't doing this. And God, you ain't doing that. Amen. Don't ever forget God's got a time and God's got a place. Amen. I understand that sometimes we get lazy. I ain't preaching on that right now. I'm preaching on getting ahead of God. Amen. That's biblical. You can say amen to that just as you can the rest of it. Didn't Sarah get ahead of God? Amen. She said, Abraham, here's Hagar. Amen. God was ascending the promise. But she wasn't willing to wait on it. Amen. And what did it cause? It's caused turmoil even to this day. That bunch right now that our military is fighting against, we could say it's Sarah's fault. Amen. It's a product of Hagar, Ishmael. He's the father, amen, of that nation. Amen. And we're still dealing with the effects of it today. When you study over there about Joshua going into Canaan's land, Brother Alvin, you'll find that God told them to destroy all of the Amalekites. 
But you know what? There's a little town down there. He said, ah, there ain't nothing to them. They're just little bitty. They ain't going to bother us. You know, if he'd have destroyed them, David would have never had a Goliath to fight. Mm-hmm. Amen? Right. Right. <laughs> David would have never had a Goliath. I wonder. I want, because of our lacks, our disobedience, mm-hmm. us getting ahead of God maybe, I wonder what kind of giants our children are going to have to fight. Amen. Amen. Think about that. The devil wants you to do, 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 do. When Jesus says done. Amen. Listen, God wants you to do something. I promise you he'll speak to your heart and he'll give you scripture to do it. Amen. And you don't have nothing to prove to the devil. The only proof you can give him is the word of God. You don't have to prove anything else to him. Can I say this? You don't have to prove anything to the people of this church. Amen. Because your salvation is between you and God. You don't have to prove anything to this preacher. You don't have to butter up to me. Amen. Listen. Amen. You don't have to butter up to the Sunday school teacher. You don't have to do any of those things. The proof that you have comes from the Word of God. Amen. Amen. I know I'm long preaching. Y'all hold on this minute. We're getting there. Bible says this. Then the devil take them. He didn't give up. Notice. He attacked the physical in verse number 3 and 4. Verse number 5 and 6. He begins to attack him on a psychological note. He begins to attack not only the lust of the flesh, but he begins to attack the pride of life. The Bible says the devil taketh him up in the holy city, setteth him on the pinnacle of the temple, a place that they say was 450 feet above the Kidron Valley. A place that if you were to look down, it would be almost dizzying in the sight, historians say. And that place from that pinnacle, that the devil begins to say once again, if thou be the Son of God, again, trying to appeal to Jesus psychologically and mentally. What he's saying to him, he's telling him here, have thy angels come and take thee up that they don't dash a, a foot against the stone. And what he's saying is, Jesus, you ain't got no followers and you expect people to follow you. You need to have an entertainment time. You need to be a spectacular somebody that people will follow you. Amen. Psychologically, he, he began to attack the personality of the Lord Jesus Christ. Y'all with me? Amen. Amen. It's like this. Jesus didn't come to be a spectacular somebody. He come to be a savior. Amen. He didn't come to this world to be an entertainer. He come to go to the cross. He come to be a servant. Amen. He didn't come to be ministered to. He came to minister. Amen. And God had a plan for that to come forth. Many times we get the idea that, man, if we do this, People would come. If we do this, people do this. But it ain't according to God's way. Amen. And psychologically, the devil beats us up. Well, if you're saved, this ought to be taking place. If you're saved, this ought to be happening. I heard a, a preacher, he's preaching the other day, and he said this. He, he, he'd come before a pulpit com, committee, and he was getting ready to take another church. And before that pulpit committee, they began to ask him all kinds of questions and silly questions, many of them was. And he was getting kind of aggravated. And he got down to the end of the questions. And they said, sir, was your last church larger or smaller when you left? He looked at him and grinned. And he said, if I was doing my job preaching the book, it was smaller. <laughs> I knew y'all get quiet on that. Think about it, friend. We're living in a day. There's a famine for the hearing of the word of God. Amen. 
We're living in last days, perilous times. We're living in a day when people will go to the Laodicean church and they'll say we're rich and increase with goods and have need of nothing. And if you preach that book and that book right there, if I preach it honestly, if I preach it thoroughly, line upon line, precept upon precept, it's going to tell you that you need something. But most people say we're rich and increase with goods and have need of nothing. And we don't want nobody telling us that we need anything. Amen. Amen. (laughs) Satan was attacking Jesus to get him in all of these temptations to act independently of God the Father. Selfishly. Amen. Jesus said, come humbly. God, if you want these stones to be turned to bread, then you can do it. Amen. Man doeth not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. God, you are my provision. Satan attacked him there in those verses. He attacked him with the, the second one about there on the pinnacle of the temple. And he began to tell him there. And the Bible says that, that, that he said, If thou will fall down and worship me. I'm sorry, I got ahead of myself. Verse number 6, he said, He shall give his angels charge concerning thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou shalt dash thy foot against that stone. If you go back to Psalms 91, you know what Satan done with that scripture? He took something out of it, and he added something to it. Amen. Satan will try to use scripture against you, but you know what he'll do? He'll use a perversion. Amen. Amen. Jesus went on and told him, he said, it is, it is written again, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Mm-hmm. Amen. He went on and I'm going to hurry for time's sake, but he went on and he took him there and he began to appeal to him, not only with the, the, the lust of the flesh, not only with the pride of life, but he began to appeal to him in the last part of his nature and he attacked him with the lust of the eye. He began to attack God's plan and God's purpose in the last few verses. The Bible says, The devil taketh him to exceeding high mountain and showeth him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of him and saith unto him, All these things will I give thee if thou wilt fall down and worship me. Jesus said, get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and Him only shalt thou serve. Ladies and gentlemen, he began to attack God's plan and purpose. It was the plan for Jesus to go to Calvary. Satan was saying, Jesus, let's compromise right here. Let's make a deal. Amen. He'll do that in your life, friend. Young people, he'll do that in your life. He'll say, let's make a deal. Let's exalt the cross of Christ, but let's forget about the cross of the believer. Amen. Y'all still with me? Let's talk about the suffering of Christ, but let's forget about the suffering of the believer. Amen. Does your Bible still say, Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution? Mine still says it. So I'm expecting it. Amen. And if it comes, I'm not going to run my lip out. I'm going to say, thank you, Lord. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Don't compromise. Amen. Don't compromise with Satan. If you're compromising with the world, you're compromising with Satan. Notice who owned the world. He got it from Adam. Amen. The keys are taken away from him. One day it won't be his. But right now, he's offering the world something that he ain't even going to get to keep. Amen. Think about this. 
How do people get fame and fortune? Think about that. Where does it come from? How many people do you see that's very, very famous, very, very wealthy, that have not compromised the Scripture? Amen? Where did their fame and fortune come from? What are you willing to compromise over? Amen? Jesus said, I'm going to do it God's way. Going to the cross. That's the plan that God instituted. Going to the cross. I want to ask you this morning in this building, give me your attention for just another second. I want to ask you, Jesus carried his cross. He went to Calvary. He suffered. He bled. He died. He got up on the third day. He carried his cross. Now, the the Bible speaks about the believer's cross. To take up our cross daily and to follow after him. Amen. Amen. Physically, inwardly, psychologically, outwardly, Satan's going to try to get you to quit. Lastly, he's going to attack your pride and say there's an easier way. He's going to try to get you to compromise. He's going to try to get you to do it another way besides God's way. I want to ask you this morning, church, would you be willing in this building to take up your cross and to carry that cross no matter how desolate, no matter how barren, no matter how desperate, no matter how the destruction may seem to come, will you carry your cross and see God deliver Amen. God's promised in the Word. He's at a time in your life, many of you, He's put His seal of approval upon you. You're sitting here this morning and many of you, not every one of you, but many of you, you profess to be saved and the Spirit of God has testified to that. You know that you know that you know that you've been to Calvary, but right now you're in a wilderness place and you don't understand why. But you're there trying to follow the Lord, right? So you're right where God wants you to be. Amen. The Bible says the angels came and ministered to him. Endure. Paul said, I press toward the mark, the prize of a high calling. What was he talking about? Pressing. That meant literally he was facing an opposition or an opposing force. There's something opposing you this morning from doing the right thing, from doing the godly thing, from doing the biblical thing. There's something opposing you. Will you, friend, take up your cross and press toward the mark despite the opposition? Amen. And let God deliver you. I'm going to read you one verse while Miss Martha's coming. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter number 10, There hath no temptation taken you, but such is common to man. But God is faithful. Did you hear that, church? He's faithful. Who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you're able, but will with every temptation make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. There's nothing that's going to, your cross is not going to be too heavy for you to carry. God's going to give you the ability to carry it. It may seem impossible, but God's going to help you to carry it. Will you stand with me while Colton begins to play? All over this building, there's people that are saved. You know that you're saved right now. You know that you've been to Calvary, but you're in a wilderness place. Satan's trying to get you outwardly, inwardly. He's trying to get you to doubt the plan of God. He's attacking you heavenward. Would you slip out of your pew this morning and bury your face in an old-fashioned altar and say, God, I'm going your way. God, I'm going to do it your way. Lord, I'm going to trust in your provision. I'm going to trust in your protection. I'm going to trust in your plan. 
Would there be some young people slip out of their pew this morning? You'd get in an altar and say, Lord, I don't want to get ruined before I get started. Might be some of you young ladies want to get in an altar and say, God, I don't want to get messed up before I ever get started. Might be some of you young men, you want to slip out of your pew. You want to get in an altar and say, God, help me to trust in you. Not to be independent of you. Not to be trusting in my own self. But God help me to trust in you in every area of my life. Might be some of you this morning that your cross has got awful heavy. The load that God has put on you has got awful heavy to bear. You got weary in the journey. Would you slip out of your pew this morning? Would you bury your face in an old-fashioned altar? Say, God, if this is where you want me, I'll carry it. God, if you'll enable me, I'll carry it. Job said, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Would you come? Would you come? Would you be obedient this morning? God's speaking to your heart right now. Would you be submissive to the Spirit of God? Would you come right now? caught me by surprise. Church, this is for you. I became so fearful. Would you come right now? it seemed I'd not survive. But God came near me. Don't settle, church. In a way. Don't settle where you're at. Come to him this morning. Come to him. And a joy that overflows. I've won, I've won. The victory has come. Though the enemy still makes his presence known. I've planted my feet in the Word of God, He fought the battle I've won. I know there'll be more battles that come from day to day. Lord, clothe me in your armor as I take up. The shield of faith, Lord, you are my stronghold. My heart will not fear with your word as my weapon. I know victory is near, and I've won, I've won the victory. morning and maybe the devil's making you doubt. Won't you come down to this altar and settle it? Stop living in a state of 
Maybe so, I hope so. Won't you come this altar and make sure. There'll be people that'll meet you here that'll take a Bible and work it through with you. Won't you come this morning? Listen, if ain't ever been a time that God needs people to quit playing games. It's not an easy thing getting where God wants you to be. We spoke about that in the prayer room. It's not an easy thing when God takes out the Holy Ghost sandpaper and goes to getting the rough edges off. It's not an easy thing when the water of the Word goes to rolling over you, molding you so that you can take flight and slay some giants in your day. But it's needed. I'm glad there's some men in my life. I'm glad there's some ladies in my life that had let God do a work in them that He could use them in my life. Won't you come, Mama? Won't you come, Daddy? Won't you come, Grandma? Won't you come, Grandpa? Let God do a work in your heart right now. Won't you let God mold you? He's wanting to. You see, when you got saved by the grace of God, He came to where you was. You didn't know you needed Him. You couldn't get to Him. So He graciously came to where you was. John chapter 4, He said, I must needs go through Samaria. There's a Sunday morning, He said, I must needs go through Wilmot. There's a Sunday morning, He said, I must needs go through Old Savannah. He come to where you was. He saved you. But now that you're saved, He said, draw nine to me. Then I'll draw nine to you. You know that you need God. You know that access has been made through the blood of Jesus Christ. Won't you come to Him? You're sitting there waiting on God to bust down your door. And you know all along that you're needing God. He's made the way possible for you to come to Him. Won't you come to Him? Won't you come to Him? While these others are still praying, won't you come? You're here and you've never been saved. Boy, I wouldn't leave here this morning lost. I'd get in while the water's troubled. Seek the Lord while He may be found. Call upon Him while He's near. Come to Him this morning.
Those pilgrims. 